We want to welcome all of the churches who are part of the But God series that's going on right now. And uh, for the last few weeks, we've been looking at this thought, but God changes everything. And this has been such a powerful time, great stories of how people's lives are being impacted. And here we are today in the final message of this series. And if you're taking notes, and I think that'd be really, really cool. If you are, you can just write down at the top of your page this title for our talk together today. We feel it's over, but God's just getting started. We feel it's over, but God's just getting started. I'm convinced that even though this series is coming to an end, how many of you believe that what God is doing through but God is still going to go strong and the best is yet to come? Do you believe that? I believe that for people's church. I believe that for every church that's a part of uh, just what God is doing through this book, this movement of But God Changes Everything. And uh, it might be good if I just start off with a story that I think will help provide a little perspective because... I don't know if you've realized this, but there are times in my life that I just have to come to the realization that uh, my perspective can be limited. There's this young person in our youth ministry. I was a youth pastor for 20 years, and you know, when you hang out with teenagers a lot, you get all kinds of crazy stories, right? Stories just follow youth ministry. And we had this student in our group named Tony, and he was just a knucklehead. He wasn't living for Jesus. I felt like he was living to make my life miserable. Like that was his goal. You know, he just wanted to do whatever he could to get in trouble, to disrupt things, and to cause problems. I'm like, man, we just need, we need Tony to get saved. We need Tony to find Jesus. We had a church retreat that was coming up. I was like, we got to get him there. We just got whatever it takes. Somehow, some way, we got Tony to go on this church retreat. While we were there, would you believe it? At the end of one of the services, there was Tony. He had responded to the message, and he was down front just crying, worshiping. He surrendered his heart to Christ. When I saw that Tony got saved, I said, there is a God. Now I know that God is all-powerful. He, he had tears coming down. I looked over after a few minutes, God, I'm sorry, God, I love you, God. I just, snot was going everywhere, so I knew this was for real, right? And so he was just worshiping. After it was over, I said, Tony, I'm so proud of you, man. I'm just, that's so cool how you surrendered your life to Jesus. He's like, oh, he's giving me this big hug. Now snot's all over me, you know? And he's just like, oh, I just, I'm sorry for just all the problems and everything. And I just, hey, it's all under the blood, dude. It's good. You know, everything's okay. Just, you know, Live like Jesus now. That's all I'm asking, right? And so anyway, what, what happened was the rest of the retreat, his story kind of became the dominant part like of the retreat. Everybody's talking about, did you see what happened to Tony? God, turn Tony around. Oh, man, what a story. Well, as we were driving home, we had several vans. You know, we're kind of caravanning with all of the, the leaders and the students. And so we stopped at a, at a rest stop or somewhere. And uh, one of the leaders came up to me and said, Pastor Scotty, we got a problem. I said, what's the problem? They said, it's Tony. Tony's got a bad attitude. He won't do what the leaders are telling him to do. It's like, what? Are you serious? Yeah, we told him he shouldn't be hanging out with this girl, and they shouldn't even be sitting together in, in the van anyway. But you know what? P-D-A. They're holding hands, and they won't listen to us. We're telling them to stop. He keeps doing it, tells us he's not going to listen. I'm like, Tony? They're like, yeah, Tony. I was like, Tony? I just gave my life to Jesus, Tony? 
Did I just turn my life around and now sorry for everything I've done? I'm going to do a better job. Go get Tony right now and tell him to come see. I'm just living. I'm just getting all worked up going. He's going to act like Jesus saved him and then live like the devil the next day. No, 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 no. This is crazy. Just go. I'm looking for him. And finally I see he's over here. Tony, come here. So Tony comes over. He's like, what's your problem, man? He's like, what do you mean, Pastor Scotty? I said, man, don't play me like that, dude. I know what's up with you. You got an attitude. You won't do what the leaders are telling you to do. He's like, I haven't done anything wrong. I said, oh, so now you're just going to lie to my face. Okay, so you're going to do like that. Now you're going to lie to my face. Let me tell you something. Just go get back on the bus, man. I can't. About that time, a leader came up and said, Scotty, it's, it's not him. It's the other Tony. You can get back on the bus, man. It's all good. No, it's, have you ever had a moment where you were informed you didn't have all of the information? And despite your perspective, despite your limited understanding, when you got the rest of it, you felt a little bit silly about the conclusion you arrived at when you didn't know the whole story. Now listen, this is why this is important for today. We are at the last message in the But God series, and there are some of you feeling like as this series has gone on, man, your faith was stirred. You're reading the book. You're like, oh, that's so good. You're reading the story about how God worked in Pastor Herbert's life, and you're going, oh, praise the Lord. And then you hear about somebody in your church, and, and they experience a miracle and a breakthrough. You're like, oh, praise God. And so you're like, your faith is growing and building. So week two, you're like, this is my week. This is it. I know God's going to do something in my situation. God, you change everything. So Lord, just like you did for Herbert, just like you did for this person, I pray for this situation that it would change in Jesus' name. And then the next week you show back up to church, you and your problem. You're still here. God hasn't done anything. I know, I know nobody can relate to this. Everybody else, you got your miracle, all right? But there's like three people in here still waiting on a miracle, okay? So that's who I'm talking to right now. They're like, okay, Lord, we wonder, but you bring us back. Lord, we're in need, but you provide. Oh, we were wounded, but you heal us. Okay, God, this is my week. Week four, this has got to be. Week five, surely, Lord. Lord, I know you can change everything. I just need you to change something, you know, right now. You don't even have to change everything. Can you just say something about this situation? Lord, I know you can't take care of everybody's problem today, but can you take care of mine? I mean, I only have one, and I just need it. And then it gets down to the last week, and you know what you're feeling like? Man, this is, this is the last week. But what I want you to know is when you feel like it's over, how many of you are going to like, God is just getting started? Don't you know that to be true? And I want to share that because there are some of you watch sports you watching your game. Have you ever been watching a game and your team was just getting smashed? Just, I mean, they were just like just getting run all over, and you finally were so depressed you couldn't even finish the game. Have you ever been in a game like that? It was so disgusting. It was so frustrating. You're just like, I can't even take it anymore. And so you turn it off and you go to bed. You ever done that before? And you woke up the next morning and the headlines, greatest comeback in NFL history. Have you ever had that happen before? And people at your work are cheering on your team like, oh, so great. Did, did you see it? And you're like, no, no, I went to bed. I thought it was over. But when you think that it's over, I want you to know God may still be up to something. You better not turn it off or move away or close out because there's a story in John chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. If you have your smartphone, you can open it up and look at it. But I want to show you this in John chapter 11. This is a great, great story. Because it's a story for all of us who may feel like the miracle train has left the station and we didn't make it on it. That may be in the midst of everybody else's story and testimonies. Like God can do miracles. 
for everybody else. And you look at your situation and say, God, what about this? And this story is such a powerful story. You basically can just read through it and, and just, just be so changed and impacted. It doesn't even need a ton of commentary. So let's just jump into the flow of this and get into some of the drama of what we read from John chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Let's just pause for just a minute. It says there's this guy named Lazarus and he was sick. It doesn't go into a lot of detail and it's probably good that scripture doesn't because it's important for us to understand this was not just a problem or his problem, but this represents any problem that any of us may ever face that God can take care of it no matter what it is. So we don't even know what it is because how many of you know with God it does not matter what it is. So it says Lazarus, this man, certain man named Lazarus was sick, period. Now what we do know about Lazarus is that we know what his name means. His name means whom God helps. Lazarus' name means God helps this person. God takes care of him. So we know he is a sick man. We know that he is in need, but his name means God will help him. Isn't that ironic? And that's a story for you and it's a story for me. Because as a child of God, you know who you are. You are the one that God loves and the one that God will care for. You're the one that God will never leave and never forsake. You are a child of God. And yet, how many times do we find ourselves as the child of the king, and yet we feel like we're in situations where we need desperate help? We're going through something. We're just saying, I don't even see a way out. I don't even know how this is going to work out, and what are we going to do? So it said in verse 3, I just read it, this is a sick man. His name means that God's going to help me. In verse 3 it says, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Notice the wording of this. They send word to Jesus, who's about a day's travel away. There they are, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. People, Lazarus, Jesus loves them. They love Jesus. And I don't think that they sent off this message to Jesus just because Lazarus had a headache. All right, this wasn't Lazarus was like uh, running a temperature. This wasn't something to where he was having a hard day, a little backache or something going on. Something was so urgent, so critical to where they're like, okay, you know what? We better let Jesus know because this is not looking good. Lord, the one that you love is sick. Notice they didn't try and build up Lazarus' credibility or his worthiness or what he deserved. Instead, they focused on the love that Jesus had for Lazarus, not the other way around. Why is that important? Because a lot of times we feel like the good things that happen in our life is because we're good and we deserve it. And that's not true. How of you know there's nothing that we can do to deserve or earn the love of God? Don't you know that to be true? God just loves you because you're you. Not because you've done enough good or haven't done too much bad or wrong. He just loves you. You know why else? Another reason why that's important? It's because sometimes when we have not yet experienced a breakthrough, a miracle, we think it's because we're not good enough. And that's why God's not doing it. 
As if God would say, you know what, I blessed this person over here and I did a miracle for them because, you know what, they're just so good. They've had better church attendance percentage than you have. You know what I know is they gave a little more in the offering than you did. And so they got theirs, but you're not going to get yours. I love it that it says, Lord, the one that you love. Is sick. And what they're saying is the only reason we stand a chance on this is not because of what we bring to the table, but it all has to do with your love for us. Our hope is not in what we can earn or deserve, but we can come to him and trust in him because of his goodness, not because of ours. Lord, the one that you love is sick. Look at what it says in verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Notice a couple of things. Lazarus is sick and Jesus says this is not going to end in death. Now some of you have read this story before and you know what's about to happen. Lazarus is about to die. Now, what do you do with that? When you know Lazarus is about to die and Jesus just says, because how many guys know that it's not good for Jesus to lie, right? That would be confusing, right? How many guys know you can trust the Bible, but as you're reading through the story, as much as we know up to this point, it says Lazarus was sick and Jesus said he's not going to die. And in a few verses, it says Lazarus died. Okay, Lord, you're going to have to help me with this one because I'm a preacher and I love you and I believe in you. But, Lord, this is getting confusing. But here's what it says. It says specifically, pay attention to Scripture. Like, you need to listen, watch it, read it, pay attention to what God's saying. It says this will not end in death. He didn't say that he wasn't going to die. He just said he wasn't going to stay dead. How I many of you guys know there's a big, big difference in that? He didn't say Lazarus wasn't going to come to death. He just said he wasn't going to stay there. He said, this is not going to end in death. And he said a second thing. This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for the glory. It's for uh, God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Here's the point. In the midst of what Lazarus was going through, God had a plan in the midst of Lazarus' pain. He said, there's a purpose behind this that in the natural, in your limited information, you're making a decision, you are summing something up off of just part of the information. It looks like this is over, but I want you to know it's not over. God's saying, I know that it looks like it's too late, but I want you to know I'm just getting started. Look at verse 5. So now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He just loved them. He loved the family. He loved them individually. So it says in verse 6, So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, stop. I'm writing this, or I'm reading this, or I'm telling this story. I got this all figured out. When it sets you up by saying, just so you know, Jesus loved Martha. And to make things clear, Jesus loved Mary. And just want you to know, Jesus really loved Lazarus. So, when the message came to him that Lazarus was in critical condition and that something needed to happen fast, Jesus immediately stopped what he was doing and he turned and he went back and he took care of Lazarus. And just in the nick of time, before Lazarus died, Jesus healed him. If I'm writing the Bible, that's how I write it. 
Or if you're like, Jesus didn't have to go through that. We believe that Jesus is the miracle worker. Jesus can make a way when there is no way. Jesus can do anything. And so all Jesus had to do, he was doing what he was doing. Maybe he was preaching. Maybe he was doing a teaching lesson. Maybe they were having a small group around a campfire. Maybe he was eating dinner. Maybe whatever it was, he got interrupted. Jesus, the one that you love is sick. He's about to die. Jesus could have said, tell him, he's better. Thank you very much. He could have done that. So I'm going, okay, so what's it going to be? How's this going to be written out? It says, now, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, look at it in verse 6, he stayed where he was two more days. How many guys think that is messed up right there? I love them so much. Well, good, because they need you, all right? Well, you're not moving. They'll be all right. He's about to die. Can you hurry? No. I'm picturing one of my little kids coming up to me. Maybe they got a scrape. Maybe their arm's bleeding or something. And I'm sitting there holding a band-aid. And they say, they say, Dad, my arm is bleeding. And I go, I love you so much. Go outside and play. And I just walk off. It's like, well, that doesn't even make sense. Jesus is the one that you love. He's sick. Oh, I love them so much. Then Jesus did nothing. For two days, I'm like, Lord, there's got to be more to this story. There's got to be something else that we're not seeing here. Pick it up with verse 11. After he'd said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So he's like, hey, fellas, let's go on back. Because they probably thought, we don't want to go back. Jesus was facing some persecution there. If we go back, this doesn't end well for him. If we go back there with him, it doesn't end well for us. So they come and say, Lazarus, the one that you love, he's sick. And Jesus doesn't go back for two days. I'm thinking the disciples are probably going, good. And then at some point he goes, okay, now let's go on back. And like, well, Lord, I mean, like, if he's asleep, he's probably all right. You know, a good nap, he'll be okay. You know, if he's just hanging there, get a little rest, he just needs a little R&R, he'll be okay. And so Jesus says, let me, let me say this a different way for you. He's dead. So now you got to be thinking, okay, so now why are you going back? You didn't want to go back when you could go back and heal him while he was still alive. But now that he's dead and all of a sudden there seems to be this desire to go back. What is this all about? Matter of fact, when you get to verse 20, look at what it says on how Martha was processing this. It says in chapter 11, verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died so he comes back here he is just straggling in in her mind a few days later and she goes running out she's like now you come seriously Jesus now now that he's dead you're too late look if you had just been here sooner this wouldn't have happened If you had just been here from the beginning, when we called for you, have you ever been in a situation before in your own journey to where you're like, God, if you had just done this, 
that would have never happened. I mean, I found myself at times going wrestling with this. God, you are all-powerful. You can do anything. God, you can step into any situation and stop it. You can speak into any circumstance and start it. You can do anything, which is why I'm so confused right now with what's going on in my world and my life because I see this and I don't see you doing anything. And now this has resulted and happened and it would not have had to happen if you had just been here and done what you could have done. So I understand where Martha's coming from. But I want you to write these notes down. I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts right here. And this is point number one. If you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, you can write this down. Number one, God's silence does not represent his absence. Lord, if you had just been here, but you did nothing, you said nothing, you stayed there, and now he's dead. God's silence does not represent God's absence. Have you ever felt you were asking you were petitioning heaven, and you got nothing. You ever been there before? Have you ever been there when you thought, Lord, I'm asking you? Sometimes we get so desperate, we start asking. We move from asking to promising. Have you ever done that before? Lord, please help, please help. Please. Okay, Lord, if you will help, here's what we'll do. Lord, I tell you what, I will go to India as a missionary if you will just, okay, Lord, here's what I do. I know that I haven't been as great with my money, but if you get me out of this financial bind that I'm in right now, I will start tithing five, okay, six, okay, 10%. All right, I will tithe. Have you ever found yourself before going, God, if you'll just bring her back, I mean, I know I probably wasn't the greatest husband, but if you bring her back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step it up. I'm, have you ever found yourself in God's silence, you think he's not there, he's not aware, or he doesn't care? Have you ever been there before? And Jesus responds in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Did you catch that? Listen to this. Jesus said to her, I am. Somebody say, I am. Come on, at all the churches, those watching, say, I am. He said, I am the resurrection. If you had just been here, if you had just been, if you would just care, if you would have just spoken, if you would, he said, I am. I am what? I am interested. I am involved. I am here. I am with you, I am the resurrection and the life. Listen, I love this. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Does that trip you up just a little bit when you read that? When God says to you, even when something's dead, it's alive. You're like, that's awesome. I don't have a clue what that means. It sounds really deep. Jesus says, I just want you to know whenever it's over, it's not over. Thank you, Lord. I don't, I don't, I really don't even know what to do with that because this really looks over. And he's saying it's not over. See, when you feel it's over, God says, I'm just getting started. I mean, it's one thing if you're in the game and you it's called it the game of life, and you're looking at the clock, you're looking at the scoreboard, and it's saying there's one minute left in the game, and you're down by five points. 
You, you're a person of faith. You look at that and go, there's a minute left. I'm down by five. It's all good. There's time. I'm living for Jesus. He's going to bless me. He's going to help me out of this situation. And then the clock keeps ticking. And then you get down. There's 10 seconds left in the, uh, on the clock. 10 seconds left on the clock. And now I'm down by 30. Oh, my, this is going the wrong way. But you know what? I know whom I have believed in. I'm persuaded that he's able. Everything is okay. There's still time on the clock. And then you get down. There's one second left on the clock. You call a timeout. One tick of the clock left. Down by 183. Now, you're like, okay, this is not looking good. But you know what? I got one second on the clock. If God is for me, who can be against me? You've been there before in the midnight hour. You say, well, hey, he's rarely early, but he's never late, right? He's an on time God. So I get a second left. I know he's going to do a miracle. What do you do when it goes zero? Okay, because see, I thought that's where you came in right there. Have you ever been there before? Because we love the testimonies of, and I got down, and I had to pay the rent, and the lady was coming to collect it, and I went out to meet her in the driveway, and I checked the mail. There it was, checking the mail. Don't you love those stories? When they happen to you, you like them. Have you ever had somebody tell you something like that? And you're like, and then I got a promotion. You're like, well, that's awesome. <laughs> That's just great. That's great. Praise the Lord, I just got fired. <laughs> Have you ever been there before? You're going, three, two, <laughs> one. I know you can. Bah, you didn't. Have you ever been there before? You know what he says? Even when it's dead, it will live. Just when you feel like it's over, God says, mm, I'm just getting started. I love this story because it helps me with my story because I learned this second thought right here. Number one, God's silence doesn't represent his absence. But number two, God's compassion is great and his grace is sufficient. And here's why that is so critically important. Because I'm going, God, even if you're going to work a miracle, do you see what I'm going through right now? Can you relate to this? You're going through something. I, I know God is God, and I know that he's going to do something that's going to end up good somehow. Um, but right now, this hurts. And so we can think God's not there, God doesn't care. Or we can think that he doesn't love, or he's not interested, or he's not compassionate. I mean, I don't know. Have you ever taken your uh, child to the doctor's office for a shot before? Anybody ever lived through that traumatic experience? I'm not talking about for the child. I'm talking about for you. Have you ever lived through that before? Have you ever experienced that before? So, yeah, I have. And so now I'm at a point to where when it comes time for shots, you know, my wife Casey might be like, yeah, the, we got to take the kids. Time for shots. I'm like, oh, well, hey, let me know how that goes. Because <laughs> I'm just not even going to do it anymore. Because, man, I, I've been there. Have you ever been there to where you're at the doctor's office and I'm there with my little four-year-old princess and she's got her shirt on, you know, says, I'm daddy's princess, you know, whatever like that. And yes, you are, sweetheart, but you know what's about to happen. And she's like, so what are we doing? And I'm like, oh, well, they're going to they're gonna check your ears. <laughs> and uh, what else they're going to do, daddy? Oh, they'll, you know, sometimes they, oh, 
You know, they, hey, did daddy tell you right after this we're going to get ice cream? Have you ever been in that position before where you start promising the world? Have you ever done that? She's like, okay, well, then what are they going to do? Well, they, uh, sometimes, you know, they'll look in your eyes and, um, and, uh, and then we're going to get a snow cone. You like snow cones? I'll get you five snow cones. You like that? And, and then um, uh, this is daddy's wallet. Just take it. All right, I want you to have it. These are keys. All right? You're just like giving everything because you look over your shoulder and you see them like, And you see him come, you're just like, oh, no. And you look at your little helpless, sweet little princess right there. And then she, oh, she sees it. And then that person's coming toward her and she looks at you. <laughs> and she says, do something. And you're like, uh, uh, something I can do? Is there anything that I can do? And the doctor's like, yeah, I'm going to need you to hold her down for me. Have you ever experienced this before? You're like, hold, hold her down. Like, pin my child to the bed while you jab her with that. So you hold down the arms. That little baby's like. And you're on her side. You're doing this to me. Like, no, it's not. You're like, stick me instead. You know, you're just thinking like, what can we do here? She's thinking, and you said you loved me. And you're saying, it's because I love you. Did you know that God loves you so much that it's not a lack of his love when he allows you to go through something that may be painful, but it's because he loves you that he says, I'm going to allow you to go through this, but I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to walk with you through this. His compassion is great. And his grace is sufficient. Look at verse 35. It says, Jesus wept. Why was he weeping? Because he saw Mary weeping. He saw Martha struggling. He wasn't weeping because of Lazarus. He knew what he was about to do. It wasn't like he was going, you know what, come to think of it, you're right. I totally dropped the ball. I thought I had time. We were right in the middle of this great discussion. I was teaching, and it was just beautiful, and I lost track of time, and he died. And now I'm, he's not weeping over Lazarus because he knew what he was about to do. He was hurting because they were hurting. Some of you need to hear today that when you're going through difficult you, difficulty and you're going through pain, don't you dare for a second believe that God's not aware, that God doesn't care. He's a God who weeps when we weep. Because even though my child may be going through that, I know this is better. You're going to be healthier because this is going to guard you and protect you from something that could severely hurt you or destroy your life. So instead of, but in that moment, I'm still feeling my heart. I love you. And God loves you. His compassion is great, and his grace is sufficient. I mean, I pray for people, and it's fun to see when people have answers to their prayers. I've prayed for people before, and they've been healed of physical pains or, or problems. And I have this back injury. I was playing college football, hurt my back. I had a ruptured disc. I've had four back surgeries. You know, what do you do for fun? Apparently, I just have back surgeries. And so I was in for that last one, total disc replacement. They said, we're going to have to go in from the front, and we're going to have to use a hammer and hammer the disc into I mean, I, I'm not. they said that, and I was like... 
I'm going to have to think about this for a minute. You know, I mean, you hear stuff like that, and you're like, what? How many guys know I've prayed for my back to be healed numerous times? And don't you know, whenever I've ever prayed for somebody, and, and I've said, in Jesus' name, heal them, and they say, God, touch me. The pain's gone. Don't y'all know that in that moment I'm going, Lord, I pray right now you give me some. Don't you know? So when I hurt my back and I couldn't play football anymore, I thought, what's this going to do? Because I had it all planned out. I'm going to use sports as a platform to tell people about Jesus. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to have these football camps. I'm going to do these things. And, and so now I can't play football anymore. So now how, how am I going to go into the ministry? Right now you're looking back going, that's so silly. That was my world, though. That's where I was. And I thought, this isn't going to work. And here's what I found. I still have back pain, but God still, for me, changed everything. And he taught me that his grace is sufficient, that when I'm weak, he's strong. Because I stopped playing football, I got involved with this small storefront church, and I became their volunteer youth leader. The church grew to over 10,000 people. And as their youth pastor, I was reaching all of these young people. And now I travel and tell people about Jesus. And I look back and I'm like, oh, you knew. And so, okay. Oh, how silly when we go, hey, and I told you and I couldn't believe. And I, oh, that wasn't you. Okay. I had limited information and I'm sorry about that. My bad. How many times we God I don't understand? And it just, and it just, and it seems like, and it, oh, so the story's not over. And you're gonna, okay, well, let me just back up. Because he cares. His grace is sufficient. He's at work in ways that you don't even know, doing stuff that you can't even imagine. Number three, you win if you don't quit. You win if you won't quit. John eleven thirty seven. 37, but some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this from dying? Be careful the voices that you allow speaking into your life when you're going through a difficulty. There'll be people say, hey, didn't so-and-so get a miracle? Yeah, so what's up with you? There'll be people who say to you, didn't you say something about God changes everything on Monday? Didn't you say something like that at work? Yeah, I said that. And didn't on Tuesday, didn't you get fired? Yeah, I thought God changed everything. Is that what you meant he was going to change? Hey, didn't you say God can change everything and you were praying about your family situation? Yeah, weren't you praying that your husband would come home? Yeah, I heard he got a girlfriend now. There'll be people who say things and all of a sudden you start going, come to think of it, I am a loser. Come to think of it, I guess miracles don't apply to my life. Come to think of it, I guess God has forgotten about me. You better be careful who you allow speaking into your life, especially when you're going through a trial. Some of the people were saying that, but others would listen to the Lord. Verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. You know why he called him by name and said, Lazarus, come out? Because if Jesus had just said, come out, how many guys know everybody would have come out of the graves, right? So he had to be specific, and he said, Lazarus, come out. So they're like, Lord, what's going on? And we don't understand if you had just been here. And Jesus said, I'm hurting with you and for you. But listen, I'm in complete control. If you just won't give up, stay with me. Step aside. Lazarus, come out. And he called something that was dead. He spoke and life came out of it. And it says that Lazarus came out of the grave. Verse 44, the dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. 
Can you imagine that scene? Can you imagine? But Lord, we were hurting, but now we realize you were with us and it was difficult, but you walked with us through it. And now that we get on the other side of it, we see you had a plan the whole time. You knew exactly. We thought it was over, but you were just getting started. God, now we better understand. Let me give you this fourth and this final thing. We're going to wrap it up. Number four, God will use your story for his glory. See, God will take your pain, turn it into a platform to point toward his promises and his power. And you'll look back and realize that God was not setting you back, but he was setting you up. He wasn't doing that to hurt you, but he said, I'm doing this that, doing this, that you might believe. I'm doing this so that you will grow and just see how powerful I am, how much I do care, how involved I really am. And then this last verse is just so cool to see. It says in verse 45, therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary, they came to pay their respects. They came to encourage her. They came to say, we're so sorry. Many who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. I wonder who's going to be in heaven instead of hell because they watched God change everything in your life because you did not give up. Because you did not throw in the towel. You look at it and you say, this marriage is too far gone. It's over. God says, I'm just getting started. You look at your debt and you say, there's no way out. This is over. This is history. Why even try? And God says, I'm just getting started. Some of you praying for a son or a daughter to come back to Jesus. And the more you pray, it seems like the further they run, the deeper they get into sin. And you feel like, man, this is just over. They've gone too far. And God says, I'm just getting started. I want you to know, church, today that the But God series ends today. But the But God movement and miracles, the greatest days are ahead. The best is yet to come. It's not over. It's just getting getting started.